my name is Jenny Kwong. And I'm Nathan Taylor. Welcome to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 land and Métis Region 3. So we have a new time for the show. Yeah, ArtsLink is now coming at you folks on the fourth Monday each month. We'll still be on at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. And you've been talking to a longtime member of the station. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this month, I'm taking it in-house with CGSW's own sideshow Sid, who now hosts his Diggin' in the Crates show midnight to 2 a.m. on Thursday mornings. He's been a legendary presence ever since I walked in the CGSW doors just about 20 years ago. And also you, Jenny. I understand your interview is someone that you've known since the get-go. Yeah, I've been around the station since about 2005, and I had the chance to see uh, my guest speak on here on campus. Her name is Cheryl Fogel. Cheryl Fogel may also be known to our listeners as the writer and director of the documentary John Ware Reclaimed about the storied black Albertan cowboy. And I caught up with Cheryl Fogel when she was on a trip to France. She spoke about a play that recently ran at Lunchbox Theatre called Heaven. The play is about a school teacher who travels from Ontario to the black community in central Alberta called Amber Valley. Today, I'm speaking with Cheryl Fogel on the phone, so welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So where are we hearing you from? I'm in France. And so how's the trip been so far? Really good. Really good. I'm doing some research here along with my husband, Clem Martini. Both of us working on different things, and it's uh, it's beautiful, and and you know there's so much history, uh, so it's it's going very well. So far, so good. Okay, and we're here to talk about your new play at Lunchbox Theater called Heaven. So I guess uh, can you talk about what the play is about? Sure. Well, first of all, it's not a new play, but it's a new production. It was first produced um, just a little over 20 years ago at Lunchbox. And since then, it has been produced at the Citadel in Edmonton. Uh, So I'm really happy that Heaven has found a new audience and has sort of... um, has become a part of the present moment that we're in, that I'm in, rather than just being a thing from my past. It is set in Amber Valley, Alberta. Amber Valley was the largest and best known of five small black communities that were created in Alberta and Saskatchewan by what's known as the Black Migration of 1910 when around 1,500 or so Black people came up to these parts from the U.S. And uh, Amber Valley had at its peak, I think, around about 350 people, which was, you know, a pretty good-sized community for that time. It wasn't a town, it was a community. And the play is about a teacher who comes from Ontario and brings sort of her notions of how people should be in this community. She's a Black teacher from uh, a different Black community in Canada, and it's it's a, kind of about her clashes with this community. And 
and the community is represented by a character named Ezra, who is one of the founders. Now, it's very important for me to say that the play is a total fiction. It is not meant to represent a real situation or any real people. But at the time of writing, I really wanted to raise awareness of these of this history of blackness on the prairies. And it wasn't very well known or talked about. It is still not really well known, um, but there's much, much more attention being paid to Amber Valley now than what there was 20 years ago. So I had a lot of different motivations for writing it, but that gives a little bit of a background about how it came to be. Where does the interest come from uh, now that it's been so many years that you've been researching the life and history of Amber Valley? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's even more than research. It is part of my own history because both sets of my maternal great-grandparents went to the Saskatchewan settlement of the Black Migration of 1910. So although I am not a direct descendant of the Amber Valley people, in some ways, I feel like I am because most of my elders, when I was growing up in Calgary in the 50s and 60s, were from Amber Valley. They were either first or second generation people from Amber Valley. So this is uh, kind of an ongoing part of my own history and heritage as well, and it's really wonderful that I have the opportunity to combine my love of history, my love for the people, and respect for the people, and being able to share it with a wider audience of Canadians. I always feel that Canadians are ripped off because they don't know this history, and I think it's important history that belongs to us all. And there's starting to be more publications that are um, aimed towards gathering the stories and bringing them to a more public awareness of the history of Amber Valley. Yes, that's true, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, In 2021, Canada Post issued a stamp representing Amber Valley as part of their Black History Month stamp series, and that raised a lot of awareness of the community across the country because a lot of people look for those for the new Black History Month stamp every year and collect them. So that went a long way. And there are various reasons why there's there's more awareness now of the fact that we have a deep, long Black history on the prairies and that it's not just about one or two isolated individuals. So I'm very pleased that that awareness is rising. I wish that it was part of school curriculum because I do think that is the best way to disseminate knowledge is to teach it in schools, and that's not happening yet. But hopefully that will be something that comes to pass soon, sooner rather than later. I know that you've uh, put a lot of effort into the bringing the stories to public institutions. I remember going to Black History uh, Month events where you were doing um, sessions on uh, Amber Valley and 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been a very important part of my work for more than 30 years. And I think I remember you came to one event at the university where I had um, a person who was born in Amber Valley and raised there, who is one of my very beloved elders, speaking about the, what the re- real real Amber Valley was like and what it was like to grow up there. So, yes, um, the history of Amber Valley, the histories of Maidstone in Saskatchewan and Campsey in Alberta, the Breton Keystone, what used to be known as Keystone, but is now Breton, and um, the Wildwood Junkins communities are all starting to receive more uh, recognition in the institutions. You're quite right. And so the play will be an hour-long play to uh, fit into the lunchbox uh, format, I guess? That's right. Yeah, it's a one-act. Okay. And who will be performing in the play? The actors' names are Chris Clare, who's playing Ezra, and Jamila McNeil, who's playing Charlotte. And I have worked with both of them before. I'm thrilled that they're going to be performing the piece. And it is being directed by my friend and colleague, Janelle Cooper, who I worked with uh, on the Black Canadian Theatre Series in 2014 and 15. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Cheryl Fogel, for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jenny. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, this is Jenny again. That was my interview with Cheryl Fogel about a play that just wrapped up at Lunchbox Theater. It is called Heaven, a play she wrote and staged years ago, and now it is getting new light at Lunchbox Theater in its current season at Vertical Theater. I was glad to be able to catch up with Cheryl, and we hope to hear more from her soon. And now it's time for my interview with Sideshow Sid Merricks. Sid was the first DJ I met at the station who really had this larger-than-life quality to me. Many of my radio inspirations here at CGSW are folks that I've had friendships with over the years, but Sid remained and remains something of a celebrity to me. That's why, about 12 years ago, I jumped at the chance to tech an interview with him that another DJ did. Years later, the idea of getting him in a room just couldn't get let go. So, here we are. So I bet you're wondering why we brought you here today. Well, they, I, I would say initially it was for my good looks, but obviously, you, you know, when people say, Sid, you got a face for radio, then I know it's not for that. Why did you bring me here, Nate? Because I want to talk about radio with people that have been doing radio for a long time, and I would like to maybe have a conversation that our listeners would find interesting as we sort of look underneath the hood about why we do what we do. And I want to start with Sid, Sideshow Sid, because you've always been on the air since I started, you had a little bit of a, a pause where you weren't, but now you're doing something completely different from what I'm used to, this, the context of Sid, Sideshow Sid being. And now you're raiding the 20th century. You're digging through the crates late at night. I want to kind of track your, your progress and where you're going. <laughs> Is this mic on? Are you alive, Sid? You know, people, it's funny that because, you know, when I stopped doing Fridays, I went to Mondays. People said, I don't hear you on the radio anymore. And I said, I think Mondays four to six, you know, which is like the golden hour, isn't it? Isn't it? Like four to six. The drive home, the drive, time. The drive time is like wow. I dreamt of doing drive time, 
Like, that was, like, amazing, you know. I mean, if you are going to go on, like, say, CKUA, that would be your, uh, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, if we decide to uh, do the deal with the devil, we'd go to CKUA. And the four to six is a, that's a, like, a, I said, yeah, I do four to six. They go, really? It just shows you, like, yeah, you're just known for that, that slot. And people just, people just want you always there, like a placeholder. You just, yeah, you were meant for Fridays. And I think that show obviously meant so much to people, which, you know, you don't really understand, you know, which is a weird thing about radio, I think, which is also one of the problems with doing, like, radio here on CGSW. Like, if you do a commercial station, we're going to hire Nathan, you do the best talk radio we're hiring you for that. But here it's like you know, like throwing darts at a dartboard, right? Right. You know, random. Once in a while, you, it's so random. And there's so many different shows. So, you know, people want reliability. They want you to be regular. They want, you know, when they turn on the radio on a Friday night, they want to hear Sideshow Sid. That's what they want to hear. And that's why that initially that show, I mean, and we go back to the whole idea of doing radio. Like, I think a lot of people do radio because... I mean, I appreciate it more because obviously in England it's hard to do radio. You know, it was back in, you know, even 70s, 80s. I think once the BBC broke down, it got easier. And obviously now with the internet, it's a little easier. But it was still, it's still something unimaginable. Like the most anyone could ever hope to, you know, like in hospitals, they have hospital radio. Oh. Yeah, they, uh, that's where a lot of DJs, uh, a lot of early DJs in the 70s and 80s did their apprenticeships at hospital radio. Yeah. No way. That's cool. Hey, for Larry with the legs. <laughs> you don't have legs, Larry. <laughs> Sorry to break that news to you. <laughs> Does it, nothing really can exist like CGSW, even no. in the world and of so, com- community I mean, radio. And this has always been said to me that, you know, Sid, you are one of the few people that truly appreciate the you know radio and the power of it. It's because I grew up, this was what we all aspired to do. So when I, when I when I when I came here, it was like wow, it, it was like you know this is a dream gig, so I was going to work hard at it, you know, really hard at it. And I think some people don't, and and, and I realised that you know you had to have a shtick, you had to have a plan, you had to you know have an idea, you know, you had to kind of at least know what you're talking about, at least name the year the record was made in, which is all people need to go. Wow, Sid's really intelligent. He said that art was made with paint. You know, it's like that obvious and that dark. We, we laugh, or well, we are laughing, but you know, it sounds stupid. But it's just those little things that the listener goes, "Wow, he knows the year that record was made." Blah blah blah. And then you add other little bits, and I think people like that. And so then, it takes two or three years. I think once people know that you're doing this, that's when they. It starts to click in. And that's where I think the whole legend of the music career started to grow. It wasn't in the first... And I think too many people come here because you're doing this wondrous thing and you're going out through 18,000 watts of power and you're, you know, you're going as far as Banff, aren't you? Or, I don't know. Do you know the statistics of well, where... as far you know? north as um, Bowdoin. As far north as Bowdoin. That's, that's where ma- it starts to go off. That's mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> that that interesting Newburg mahogany. I want to live in mahogany. What a great name for it. Where do you live? Mahogany. <laughs> How's your commute? <laughs> to mahogany. I don't care because I live in mahogany. Um, I think 
I, because you know, and you know, your your mum has listened to it, or your couple of your friends, and you know, your cat actually uh, took his mind off the ball and paid attention for a little bit. But you, so you come out the station thinking. There's going to be a ticker tape parade. I'm going to get calls from the CBC wanting me to do, you know, to do the hockey or whatever. It's not like no one cares. No one gives a damn. You know, it's nothing special. Nothing special. What's special is four years in and you're doing something that makes people prick up their ears. That is when the ticker tape parade comes. But not really. In my case, you know, I actually made a living out of DJ outside of... Uh, a radio station but and for other people you know it can lead to other gigs and other jobs it also can lead to a sense of self-confidence yeah you do it for yourself and you try and do the best you can and you try and do it on a consistent basis when i did my show on mondays the drive home show uh, which was the last of the music i think i resurrected that name did i resurrect that name was it called the music aquarium yeah i think so i think it was yeah it was the last so that was the last yes it was i can't remember um of course, I listened to, you know, I wanted to play Canadian content that I liked or that, you know, I could relate to or I could talk over or blah, blah, blah. You know, it had to fit a certain parameter. And at first I thought, OK, I could play this track and then, you know, show its influences on, you know, on Canadian music. That took so much time. So what happened was is that I used to do my. F so I'd have to do like blocks of it. And then those blocks became an hour. So it was basically a show of two halves. Because for every uh, 30 songs you play, you have to play 13, 14 Canadian songs. You know? So, and what I found was, is that people would drift off. And sometimes they wouldn't come back if they did like those particular Canadian songs. If they don't like, you know, like radio's another thing. That's a little like, uh, like uh, doing crack. So if not, if your listeners out there don't know what it's like doing crack, try listening to those early music aquarium shows on a Monday. It was like, you know, if they were bored in those three songs I played, they wouldn't come back. They'd go to CKUA or whatever, you know. So I decided to split the show in half. So at least I'd captivate them for an hour. Hopefully you'd do it for two hours, but captivate them for an hour. So that's what it was. And then I just found... It's a show of two halves. It doesn't make sense. I don't, you know, I just didn't like it. I wasn't feeling good. I did that for two years. And I just wasn't feeling it. Just wasn't feeling like, you know, I, I was just going through the motions. And, you know, like, you've got this whole captive audience, you know, getting over work. And you want to you wanna do like a music, like Friday music aquarium show. But, you know, put in rock and put in, you know, like uh, great film music and comedy skit. You know, like... Make it fun. You go and I'll be. I'm so glad to get off work. I can't wait for that road bump or whatever. You know, I'll go uh, go to my wife, watch some television. But on the way home, I'm going to listen to this show. I just found it was just kind of soul destroying. So, how did you find your way back to something that did inspire you? Well, well, I mean, what? I, so when? Uh, I mean, I so I quit that show in what? 2020. It was at the outbreak of COVID. Was that 2020? That's 2020. So I basically I took I was taking six months off anyway. I had to go through. I was uh, moving. I had uh, something like twenty thousand, thirty thousand records at my home. <laughs> so I was sick of. I wasn't gonna. I swore to. I swore the last time I moved them, never again. This is why people who are nerds and collectors out there buy a house, don't own an apartment, never own an apartment. 
because having that many records, you know, I moved 30,000 records six times in Calgary. Whoa, okay. Sometimes by myself, when I was younger, I could do it. But you want a workout, that's a workout. I've had people go, never again, who like, <laughs> they, they know I'm moving and my name comes up on the phone. They go, all right. <laughs> prank call, prank call, prank call. Yeah, so I, I was, so I had to go through my records, give something to the kids, blah blah blah, sell a load, and uh, then COVID hit. So obviously, yeah, I'm not coming up to the station. Uh, well, because I knew that, you know, God knows what's happening up here. It's very uncertain. Yeah, it was very uncertain. Um, I mean, before COVID, I know, I know. I mean, I try to do. Sometimes I would ask Marta, "Look, can I record this from home?" Because I can't make it or can't do it. Instead, I'd have to come up and record like, like if I was going to England, I'd have to record like free shows. It's like that's a lot of time and a lot of effort to do free shows, you know, to wig it. So uh, I didn't know about the home recording or anything. So what I was round about, uh, what are we two? Round about uh, March two thousand and twenty-one. I am. Uh, here we go. Yet again, I was kind of getting bored watching like, you know, oh, I've moved from The Sopranos to The Wire for the sixth time. I went, yeah, I, you know, and I was, I was, uh, you know, the, I was listening to music again, you know, obviously because the COVID, you know, music was always, we were always playing older stuff and actually the girlfriend plays a lot of older music. You know, she has Spotify, she loves Spotify, but she plays like a lot of older music as well as newer. She's actually more like, she's become more of the music aquarium back in the uh, 2000s or in the 90s than me now. She, like, listens to, like, you know, Old Soul and Fug and Broken Bee and Jungle and stuff. She's like, she's kind of inspiring. Anyway, she uh, she went, oh, those records are good. And the, the, the common denominator among them was that they were made before 2000. So I went, you know what? And I have all these records and all these different genres, and I wanted to show uh, The Village, that made the child, you know? I want to show, like... And I want to also show people that, uh, hey, you can listen to uh, the Sex Pistols, but you can also love Elton John. You can, you know, you can dig that uh, that classical piece from Brahms, but you can also listen to, like, some of the craziest jazz that John Coltrane recorded while strangled and heroin in Stockholm. You know, you could do that. But, you know, and at first, I... I at first, I wanted it to be like a, a real like kind of BBC radio show. You play one track, talk about it, and that way, you know, you don't have to get bogged down. You know, you we've heard it here. There's the what I call the uh, the, the free string ring around. You do free songs, talk. Free songs, talk. Free, you know, like that. Pretty and accepted. I, I want it, yeah. That. I want to get away from it. I wanted to make it totally BBC like, and I was gonna do. I wasn't gonna script it. I was just gonna, you know. Try Chaz Saunders, Kevin Warren, it failed, failed, failed. <laughs> I, I did continue doing the uh, one track, but I was more like, okay, I've got I've to make the show good. I've got to do it this way. And sorry, we should go back to the 35% again. The reason I chose midnight was because from midnight to six, you don't have to play Canadian content. You can, uh, you know, you, you can play whatever you want. Not the Easter Girls before people figure <laughs> But you can play whatever you want during the during the six hour period, because it's weird. Even even Tara, our uh, program director now, was oh Sid, you're gonna have to play thirty five percent. God, I went, I don't think so, Tara. And then she got back to me and she went, Yeah, you don't. 
Anyway, uh, and I had this idea called Digging the Crates. Actually, I should have called it Digging in My Crates because it's all music that I have, which kind of surprised me some of the music I have. You know, I still have a pretty vast collection. And so, um, I w- and it's still a work in progress of having a proper coalesce show, you know, of like, I mean, now because of uh, work, I've had to do it from home. So I've the free string ring around I've had to get into because it's very hard playing a song, then recording your voice, then playing a song, record, you know, like it's too much. So this way I have to do it, in, do it in themes, which maybe is a good thing in some ways because, you know, the, the sets have certain themes. Like, uh, for instance, the show that's coming up, I'm kind of two or three weeks ahead now, which is kind of good. I've done a whole kind of, uh, I've started each particular hour with a segment. First, first segment is one from, uh, children, the theme from children's programs during the summer holidays, which were like uh, on the BBC, like oh, they, like when you're growing up, you know, when I was growing up, like so in the seventies, they were like, yeah, this was television programming in the seventies on the BBC, right? Like you guys were spoiled. We had one hour. Guess what? That hour, that hour started at nine fifty-five, and I'm kidding you not at this time, nine fifty-five, and it ended at ten fifty-five. And then at 10.56 was cricket. And that was our summer holiday. That was our summer viewing. So no wonder kids went out and smashed things up, shoplifted and, you know, beat each other into a pulp. Because they were only entertained for an hour and then they just went out. Like if they had, if they were sat in front of the goggle box, you know. But then in an hour they would have a, a US import cartoon, Wacky Races or Top Cat or Penelope Pit Stop, stuff like that. And then the next hour would be some badly dubbed Euro drama. Uh, it could be, uh, there was one called, the, the famous one is The Avengers of Robinson Crusoe, which uh, it's a famous theme by the Robert Mellon Orchestra. You should look it up. It's, it's amazing. You'll love it. He goes, oh, it's so hypnotic. And that's the one everyone remembers, but there were such great ones like a, Blazing Saddles, which was this uh, French swashbuckling thing, but it has the best theme ever. And then there was one for the girls called White Horses, where uh, uh, this girl would retreat in the summer to her Uncle Dimitri's stud farm, which sounds very sinister, doesn't it? I wish it was. It wasn't. We could have done with something a bit more, uh, you know. Sounds like Heartland. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like a Belgian or German version of or Ukrainian version of Heartland. It was very bad. Great, great theme song. Anyway, so the first hour I did, this is how sometimes the grouping is good. So I did the first hour of those free, free songs. Then the other hour I did ITV, which had shows like Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds. And I did those theme songs. So it, it's an interesting thing doing it from home now that I have to like, I, uh, before you could really like, because you're playing different tracks, you do that because you have that pause, right? Yeah. So you could obviously, and that's a big thing with any kind of programming. You want to see some kind of, uh, some logic to it, a line of logic, you know, like why is he playing this? Well, something that it occurs to me listening to your show, and this is speaking personally, is that I, as I am getting older, I become more interested in listening to uh, like the oldies shows on, on terrestrial radio. So for God's sake, there's even a Sunday morning show on uh, an AM uh, country station, 10, uh, 9, I can't remember what it is, but, uh, and plays classic country music. And I've been listening to that since I found out about it. Also, uh, there's a Sunday morning show, the world famous oldies show. Now, 
I don't want to be unfair. How old is that guy now? Oh, he's been doing it forever. I was listening to that with John Trush, Tubby Dog, in his in his uh, in his car in night. 95 or something like that. He goes, Sit over you. This guy, you you and this guy are both the same, you'd say. And he put it on. I went, This guy's like a hundred. He must be a hundred. He was a hundred and five then. He must be like. He doesn't sound all that old to me, but yeah, he very well could be like a Harry Shearer, um, you know, DJ effect there. <laughs> uh, but would it be unfair for me to say that I like your show because you are play, you are basically doing a, a an educational oldies show? Yeah, you know, it's a yes. Uh, but, it, you know, like, it's funny you say that about all these, like, I was reading this, uh, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, miniseries about the Sex Pistols has come out, Pistol, right. you know, which uh, I urge everyone to go watch. It's an interesting, if you wonder why I am the way I am, not so much about the Sex Pistols, I mean, I was way, way on the other side of that, but how, where I grew up and the places we grew up and the experiences, it's all there. Like the 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 framing of their story within, you know, the scenery and all the stuff that was going on, that is what I grew up in. Like, so it's Very an interesting, cool. it's an like if you want to know what maketh the man <laughs> that, that you've heard so many years later or over the years, it's right there. It's all there. Like the environment is all there. Well, that uh, is anyway, good for you to mention because so, I am curious about that. Sort of so it's interesting what you say because uh, I read an interview uh, with Steve Jones because uh, the the show Pistol is based on his his book. Anyway, he goes like, and they were talking about because they've uh, re-released God Save the Queen, uh, their infamous single that they made during the uh, the Jubilee. Then now it's the platinum. So because you know, corporations are cash cows, they you know. Anyway, he goes like. And they asked him, like, are you going to listen? He goes, I don't listen to God Save the Queen. I'm more, I'm more, I'd rather put on Steely Dan than that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how, yeah, we get older. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it, but to call it an oldie show is to really go, it's, it's funny. I get what you're saying. It's oldies in the sense of, I always associate oldies with tracks that make you feel warm and fuzzy. And sure, there are some tracks on that. You know, like when I hear, uh, uh, let's say I hear Frank Sinatra's Summer Wind it will take me back to a certain time certain place even if I uh, or, or, or I hear uh, All Right Now by The Free you know All Right Now they, you know it t- I can remember being seven years of age and seeing them on top you know like so that, that but I think also and there are parts of that in my show obviously but there's also parts that are very like wow you know you you'll get a bad like the skids reeling off uh, a load of uh, uh, TV names to like a punk rock riff. Albert, Albert, you know, you get stuff like that. Or you, like I said, TV themes, or you'll, you'll hear like 30 minutes of Afro jazz, or you'll hear. Um, uh, well, can I, can I give you one? Um, I thought it was great. You introduced me to Silver Apples. Yeah, which is a you know, which is a weird a band that released two records and yet their music has you know, and how many people know about that kind of group? And so it'd be great that, you know, I've like that was would not be considered oldies in a sense. I mean it comes from that age, but it's not oldies in any sense. But so yeah, I want yeah, and you're right in some way. I do want that I want people to have guilty pleasures because I have guilt. I have tons of guilty pleasures, but also I want to, and it's not a cynical 
it's not a cynical thing that I go, oh, it's time I dropped this obscure piece of dog crap that I found <laughs> outside my door. Because sometimes there'll be a whole show of, uh, I think someone harangued me recently going, holy shit, Sid, this sounds like AM radio. I feel like it's 1970, 1982 and I'm listening to AM radio. And I said, well, that's kind of, I was just in that mood. I mean, I don't cynically attempt to mix it up. It just seems that way, I think, you know. A few questions specific to your show. All right. Okay, so you start off with the same theme every week, yeah. but it's it's not from uh, Led Zeppelin. Why? Um, well, you know, the, the, here we go. This is a homage to my youth. Uh, there used to be a show called Top of the Pops. And they, uh, Top of the Pops uh, is a legendary music show of the... Uh, 60s, 70s, kind of 80s, and it kind of, you know, well, we talk about things changing, things change. See, people don't realise that a vinyl CD was a massive change, massive shift. And who would have thought that CDs and DVDs are like, oh, hey, old timey. <laughs> My mum just bought a computer, no CD drive. Hey, where do I put this DVD in the toaster? <laughs> it doesn't play. It's still like the best... Medium out there. Uh, but anyway, like, so Tom and Potts was a, in the 60s and 70s, especially the 70s was a massive show. Like, no, 60s, 70s, and maybe the 80s, mid 80s, massive show. Like, everyone, more people would watch that than the moon landing. Anyway, but basically, it was interesting is that even then it was BBC was so cheap we talked about children's television and the hour we had in the summer they uh, they couldn't uh, they didn't want to play copyright so what they would do is they would get the musicians to re-record their music with with the house band because they had to pay BBC music yeah that's why sometimes you'll hear the voice the voice is live the voice will be live but the music would have to be BBC musicians. So this is where we get, I think I may have seen some of this. This would be like um, Fleetwood Mac would maybe play it for some reason. And you would, they would be pretending to play their instruments. No, no. They're, 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 they're miming, what we call, what they call uh, lip syncing or miming. They're, they're still miming, but the song has been re-recorded beforehand using BBC musicians. So that's how they get around the copy. Oh, okay, I see. That's a copy. And, yeah, and also they keep the uh, unions happy. Anyway, a uh, whole lot of love. If you go back, uh, go back home, or get your listeners to go onto the old, old, on the old YouTube and play the original uh, Top of the Pots theme song, which was "Whole Lot of Love," done by a different band. Oh, okay. So it was like, <laughs> but my version. So my version is a homage to that, which is done by the Dennis Coffee Band, and he does a version of "Whole Lot." So it is a kind of homage to top of the pops but i didn't want to go flower and use top of the pops that their version of the theme song i wanted to use this version well doing a little bit of research you know i had to look up peter coffee and then found out that i already had some of his music because i got it from you Sid. <laughs> i got it from the the ultimate breaks and beats compilation yeah, yeah he does uh scorpio, scorpio. yeah son of scorpio <laughs> so like all these threads will continue to happen yeah uh, and then you always play a Harry Mancini at the end. Is that because there's just so much of his stuff? No, I, Harry Mancini, that, that song Lujan, I've always found one of the very, it's a very um, calming song. Yeah, and Harry Mancini did like the Pink Panther and stuff like that. But I always found it very 
dreamscaping. It was like ambient music before there was a word for ambient music. And if you listen to, and it's very Pavlov, because if you listen to, I was talking about theme songs. If you listen to the Adventures of Robinson Crusoe by the Robert Mellon Orchestra, there's hallmarks of Lujon in it. It's almost like I was being trained to love all this kind of airy fairy kind of. And then Lujon turned up. Do you ever watch Sexy Beast? Yes, it turns up as a sexy beast when he's. They, remember they're they're having the barbecue on the uh, on the swimming pool before uh, Ben Kingsley turns up and he goes, duh, duh, and he's blowing the smoke and it turns out in a heart. They're playing Lujon by Henry Mancini, oh, yeah. so it's like a homage to all those kind of things that uh, you know I've loved. You know I loved that song before it became my parents had that album and I always loved that song for some reason. Like I said. If you listen, if you listen to that Robert Mellon orchestra, Robinson Crusoe, you could hear hallmarks of. So I must have heard Lujan first, and then of course I loved Robinson Crusoe. Even though it's a terrible show, we all loved that theme song. We were like Pavlov dogs. We were trained. That was my interview with Sideshow Sid of CGSW fame and of Digging in the Crates, which you can hear at midnight to two a.m. every Thursday morning. Hi, this is Jenny again, and that is the end of the show. Our next date will be July 25th. Again, we have a new time for the show. That is the fourth Monday of the month. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening.